You're listening to the A1 Algarve Real Estate Podcast, giving you insight and advice about every aspect of the sales and purchase of property in the Algarve. Did you always think about buying a second home or an investment to let in the Algarve, but you put it off because you're not feeling informed enough? Follow us and listen to real estate agents, lawyers, accountants, FX and investment specialists, builders, architects, interior designers, and many more for informed decisions around property in the Algarve. And here's your host, Agnieszka Kianka. Welcome back to our A1 Algarve Real Estate Podcast. Today's topic is whether it is a good idea to buy, own and sell a property in one's own name or rather via a corporate entity. So, when buying a property in our area of the Algarve, should you continue to think about buying a high-end property that is in corporate ownership? The fact that so many high-value properties are in corporate ownership is not a coincidence. There are pros and cons for both, which should be taken into consideration. And we have today a guest who is specialized in this topic. So... I'm very happy to introduce Rodrigo Alves, lawyer and named partner at NFEA Law Firm in Amundsil. And we have today a guest who is specialized in this topic. So I'm very happy to introduce Rodrigo Alves, lawyer and named partner at NFEA Law Firm in Amundsil. Welcome, Rodrigo. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Aneska, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. In fact, would you like to introduce yourself and your law firm? Yes, of course. Um, with uh, NFEA uh, Law Firm has been formed in 2001. Um, the uh, founding partners were me and Nari Fiska. Um, Nari, in the meantime, has departed to Canada, uh, where she's uh, having a, her uh, own venture, mm-hmm. um, and therefore I took decided to take the the firm uh, over. And um, it's been a challenge since then, but a uh, rewarding one. It's uh, a pleasure to be here and deal with so many special clients and uh, challenging uh, contracts as well. <laughs> that's brilliant. And Brexit doesn't help much, does it? I mean, that's a lot of work too. Well, Brexit is part of the work, right? Mm. It's, uh, it's as we, we normally say, it's uh, another additional um, part of the equation of buying properties in Portugal. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that... Uh, the, the new challenge represents that practice represents is, is also part of what we, we have mm. to do, right? Okay, well, let's start with our topic, which has to do with the buying of property, whether it is in um, offshore or onshore, which is the old way to say it. And uh, nowadays we have to say uh, privately owned or corporate owned because the offshore word is a no word. Um, but let's start with the basics. What is the difference in the process when buying a privately owned property or an offshore property? Well, as you quite rightly said, is the difference with uh, where a buyer or an investor that wishes to buy uh, a property using a company as a vehicle, um, he buys the shares of, of the company, whether directly or indirectly, right? Mm-hmm. So he can become the shareholder or he finds someone that buys the shares on his on his behalf, mm-hmm. right? 
and but the property is registered in the name of the company. Mm -hmm. While if the person buys the property, then the property is directly registered in the name of the of the person. So that is a basic difference. Of course, we have much more differences that mm -hmm. eventually we'll go through them during this conversation. But uh, these are the main differences, of course. Mm -hmm. So you either buy a property um, itself in private ownership or you buy the shares that are owned by the pre-owner so you don't buy the property as such um, this is for our British um, clients a very a no-brainer I mean everybody in in, um, in England knows how to buy an offshore property um, but uh, our clients um, who are not English speaking very often have problems with that this is um, this is a very very abstract idea for them to to be an owner why should I use a corporate structure to buy, own and sell my property in Portugal? What are the benefits? I think, the, if you allow me, the, the question is not why should I use a, a corporate structure. Is The question is why should I not use a corporate structure. Sometimes we, we have to put it that way. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, the answer to that is it depends a lot on the condition and the contingencies of the corporate structure, mm -hmm. the contingencies of the client, the nationality of the client, um, the tax um, implications that that may bring to the client depending on which jurisdiction he lives on. Mm -hmm. So there is a, a combined number of factors that can dictate the answer to the to that question: Why should I not buy a property using a company? Okay. So, and I would say that unfortunately here we don't have a solution fits all, mm -hmm. right? So we have to analyze each different case and then provide an answer. That's the reason why, sorry to say this, um, your clients will have to uh, engage a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> um, to analyze the situation. Um, but that's basically that, right? Okay, but for engaging a lawyer, I think that is a, something that we are always recommending anyway, mm -hmm. because for... Um, somebody who is uh, a non-Portuguese, it is always a difference in, in um, the entire, let's say, uh, the structure of the sale is, is completely different than other country uh, all over the world. So yeah, um, would you say that it um, there are certain things that are uh, very important to be mentioned, such as succession planning or confidentiality, are these things that are um, important in that right what we normally have when when we use a structure is uh, a structure of nominees right so mm -hmm. normally the, the client is not the the beneficiary of, of um, the shares in the company or is not the owner of the shares in the company sometimes mm -hmm. that happens right mm -hmm. especially when the client is not a resident in the country where the company is based right so it is normally uh, a bit more convenient to use directors uh, where the company is is based mm -hmm. And therefore, um, it's also important to understand that it is sometimes also more practical to that the shares are owned by an entity that is based similarly in the mm -hmm. same jurisdiction where the company is based. So this is how things normally work. Um, but what I would say is some clients, especially the ones based in the UK, right, um, because of the state or the inheritance laws in the UK, uh, they were advised to use trust structures mm -hmm. so that to avoid the payment of inheritance tax. Mm -hmm. right. That was very common and uh, normal in in the past. So this is one of the reasons why companies were used mm -hmm. right, because the trusts are were created in the UK right, in the 
back in time, more than 900 years ago, I would mm. say, and therefore during the Crusades, right, that's the, uh, the origins <laughs> of the of the trust, and therefore mm -hmm. that was has always been seen as a as a, an estate planning mm -hmm. or a, a method to find uh, successors for the estate of uh, of the um, departing soldiers, I would say. Mm -hmm. But of course, nowadays we not, we don't talk about that anymore, and the modern uh, tax laws has dictated that we have, of course, to uh, find still useful, usefulness for, for these structures mm -hmm. so that they can be um, still um, efficient on, on the succession plans. Right. Um, here, we're not able to provide advices on, on those matters because, of course, the, if the client is not resident in Portugal, we lawyers in Portugal cannot help or should not help, right? mm -hmm. even if we know a bit uh, but we're not skilled, and overall we're not, we do not have any insurance policies in force to provide advice in, in these matters. Mm -hmm. But we know that the clients use uh, some inheritance tax plans and uh, adapt the existing structures to, to inheritance uh, um, or to succession, mm -hmm. the succession. Right, uh, in terms of what we can do here, if the client is a resident here, even if he's a foreigner, that yes, we can adapt the uh, uh, the state of the client to these structures it is possible it's it's not the uh, the most easy thing to do because we don't have the trust in Portugal as as you know mm -hmm. uh, but it is doable right? mm -hmm. we can we can have a, a will here and eventually see, help the client with with that and is the client completely confidentially uh, an owner of that property when he owns it in? I would say that confidentiality these days is not the most important issue. Right? It's because we have uh, the the obligation to register the ultimate beneficiaries of mm -hmm. these companies. Uh, it's it's something that is uh, actually uh, uh, almost mandatory in every country in Europe these days, mm -hmm. and therefore the uh, the confidentiality is, is no longer there mm -hmm. right? because we have to inform. The, uh, mm. the Portuguese authorities, in the case of Portugal, but this, in Spain is the same, in Malta is the same, wherever mm -hmm. we are, the obligation is there. So I would say that confidentiality is, is not the most uh, important reason why we, mm. we have to um, adopt a, a company structure. Okay. What would be the most important reason? I would say tax efficiency, mm -hmm. right? Not because of uh, tax evasion. Uh, which was the um, the concept that existed in the in the past, or the idea mm -hmm. that we, we we still have when we we hear the the word offshore, yeah. right? Um, but uh, sometimes it's a tax avoidance or a, a better and more efficient uh, tax planning because let's just imagine um, we have to pay the IMT mm -hmm. and we have to pay the stamp duty, and up until now. The, the change or the, the the transfer of shares didn't attract the payment of IMT and stamp duty, mm -hmm. right? And in a property of say one million euros, that was a considerable saving. Mm -hmm. These days, um, that doesn't apply anymore, right? So I would say that the company structure is uh, um, still uh, valid and is still an option, but uh, it has to be framed adequately to see. Um, if it is still compensatory, I would say not all options mm -hmm. are are uh, good uh, to to employ a company, but um, there are quite still quite a few, but less than uh, a few years ago. And are there specific jurisdictions you would um, recommend? 
Well, um, I should not be doing publicity <laughs> in favor of some jurisdictions in detriment to, to others, but um, well, undeniably the, the most, uh, the ones that have been mostly used in Portugal have been Malta and Delaware, of course, mm -hmm. as everybody knows. It's not a, it's not a secret. No. <laughs> and that's what you can mostly find as well on the market when you're looking for property. Most most management companies, they, they offer these two, these two options mm -hmm. um, and therefore they seem to be the uh, the most, uh, um, how do you call it, regular ones. So, Is Delaware uh, to become blacklisted in the future? Well, uh, my crystal ball is not working very well. <laughs> Mine also not, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we, the Portuguese authorities, um, did not revise that much the, uh, the blacklist of uh, jurisdictions. Um, I mm -hmm. can't see that happening. Mm -hmm. What I can see coming is the enforcement of new laws with uh, cross-information or cross-border information that will eventually make more or less compliant mm -hmm. these, these uh, companies uh, in, um, in, in Delaware. So I think that the market will eventually um, separate the cases where the use of companies is still possible or recommendable mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the ones where that is not possible. Mm -hmm. right. it's, I think it's a matter of time. Mm -hmm. um, before we have to, we clearly will see a split between um, companies that can be used and companies that cannot be used. I don't know if it will be Delaware or mm -hmm. if it will be Malta. I think there will always be a, a residual area mm -hmm. where that uh, where that will happen. So uh, we know that in Spain, for instance, uh, they have adopted laws where companies based in these jurisdictions or Spanish companies are exactly the same. Um, it does mean that does not obviously mean that the, um, the Spanish companies and the foreign companies are, are the same, but they're treated the same way. Mm -hmm. When the uh, um, real estate is the the main asset or the sole asset of, of a company, mm -hmm. so this uh, this is the the tax treatment that, that I, I was referring to, mm -hmm. right? So that is not the case in Portugal mm -hmm. yet. Not right? yet. Yeah. We don't know if that will be the case. Right. Again, tax laws are very volatile, mm -hmm. and therefore it's it's uh, difficult to predict what is, is going to happen. But there is a tendency that the the Portuguese follow the, the Spanish um, no, quite no, often. No, no, we no, we've uh, we followed up until now, even in succession laws, and so we follow different uh, mm -hmm. uh, routes. Um, I think that the the way uh, things have been conducted in Portugal can be uh, a bit better. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, we and we do not have um, the structure of, of the country that Spain has, meaning the administrative separation between uh, the uh, municipalities and then the uh, regions. So Portugal is uh, the, the laws that we have in, in the north of Portugal and in the south of Portugal are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So we don't have these discrepancies. Mm -hmm. I would say that no, we will not follow the uh, the same path as. Uh, as Spain, mm -hmm. what we will probably do is adopt the uh, regulations that the uh, European Union will, will publish in the, in the future mm -hmm. and will adapt and comply. What costs are involved when you buy a um, corporate-owned uh, property? Well, other than the legal fees charged by the lawyer, which are residual in all this, <laughs> um, I would say that the major the major costs are, of course, the transfer of the shares that the uh, management company charges, mm -hmm. um, and of course, uh, any uh, costs associated with transferring the, uh, um, the, the 
the utilities and uh, well, and so so these are the main costs. Of course, we know that in the future um, there will be no difference between uh, the transactions occurred by transfer shares of Portuguese companies or or the, uh, the foreign companies, and mm -hmm. therefore we will also have the IMT and the stamp duty. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that will happen mm. very soon. Um, but um, other than that, I would say that the costs will may not be very different from buying a company or a property in the near future. Right? They still are at, at the present, but in the future, we don't. I'm sure that will, will not be the case anymore. Um, we spoke about the positive part of buying um, a property in a company. Um, is there a downside to owning a property in a company? That can be a few downsides, of course, right? We we have that's the reason why I when we started this conversation, I told you that the uh, client should uh, use a lawyer, and the reason for that is of course because um, when we buy a company, you buy the life of a company mm -hmm. that is back, right? That means the moment the company bought the property mm -hmm. or acquired the property or built the villa or bought the apartment, doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But there's a life. Right. And that life can have a, a tax implication or a mm -hmm. tax liability, and of course that has to be um, seen and examined. Or and, uh, and then uh, the client has to be aware of what what happens or what means mm -hmm. or what other tax implications or tax liabilities that the company has before buying the the shares in the company. Mm -hmm. So it's a case to case study. Again, yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> is there any good reason not to purchase a property that is in a company? Well, I would say that this is the main reason, the mm. one about the uh, tax liability that the company may have, mm. right? So, but again, it is possible to still find that the company has a big tax liability or potential tax liability that only materializes upon the sale mm. of, of the property out of the company. It is possible, but as long as the price that the client or the purchaser is paying for, for that reflects mm -hmm. the, the, the contingency or the liability, it's still, it can still be a good move. What is the difference in costs when buying a property in private versus corporate ownership? Well, the the costs can can uh, vary um, when you purchase a, a, a property instead of a company. Mm -hmm. The costs may vary, of course, right? because the uh, it can go from a, on a sliding scale from between one percent and seven and a half percent in terms of the conveyance tax. The stamp duty is always the same, point eight percent. When you buy a property, that's it. So mm -hmm. uh, we have to assess the value, the rateable value, mm -hmm. the market value, the price that the client is paying for the property, if there is furniture or no furniture. Um, and therefore, after that, we can exactly determine the cost involved in the property transaction. With a company, can, it can be slightly different, of course, right? Because we can have, we have to add the cost of the management company because we have to register the shares in the, the client's name. Mm -hmm. We have to look at the structure. We have to look at the... Um, the jurisdiction where the company is domiciled, mm -hmm. right? And in the future, depending on the uh, the structure, that can be equivalent costs to the uh, the purchase of, of the property, or we can save some costs. But uh, there's a big question mark there because uh, we don't know what's going to be the, the the case in the future, because as you know, the uh, the tax laws are always improving mm -hmm. and changing. So I would say that, uh, again, each case is a different case and the client must confirm with mm -hmm. his or her lawyer mm -hmm. what the case will be. Um, could we s tell to clients as kind of, um, let's say, a uh, medium range price uh, as an orientation 
uh, could we say uh, properties over 1 million um, should be rather on um, no onshore or offshore. onshore offshore yeah no, no there's no no such no such regulation really. I know that a few years ago we, we normally we had that uh, or established that threshold of mm -hmm. 1 million years so above 1 million an offshore company or foreign company would be uh, still recommendable mm -hmm. Below one million euros, it, it was thought that the structure would be too expensive to, to be justifiable. Mm -hmm. um, but today, uh, I wouldn't dare to to establish a, a threshold for that. No, I think uh, we have to see um, each case and, and then determine if it's still compensatory to have it offshore. Now, just a, an example: if you ask me, a property of one million euros, the client wants to keep the property for two years. Well, if it is on a company, let it be on a company. Mm -hmm. Right, because if it's just an investment and then the client wants to flip it over, uh, why bother to bring it on shore? Mm -hmm. Right, um, if it is uh, the, if the client wants to keep it for 15 years and then eventually leave it to the, his or her children, well, we have to ask because I consider and uh, because um, the cost involved in keeping the company alive may be significant, of course. Mm -hmm. Right, so but um, I would say that there are no. No specific cases that which the company is not recommendable or the property purchases is more recommendable now. Okay, well that was a good insight in uh, general. I appreciate that very much and um, yeah in fact every client should be looking at uh, their individual um, advice and um, an individual mathematical form uh, to, to look after them. Um, is there anything additional you would like to tell our listeners about this topic? Now, I would say um, um, that Portugal is, is a very stable market. It has been stable. Mm -hmm. What I've seen, uh, having been in business for the last 25 years, mm -hmm. right, is um, it's a very stable market and the, uh, the property laws have not uh, varied much. Right. Mm -hmm. So Portugal has improved in terms of the uh, um, the conditions um, and the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. Even if we say, well, no, it's still very bureaucratic. I understand mm -hmm. that, but it has improved considerably. Mm -hmm. There is a number of things that we can now do in the office instead of having to go to different departments. Mm -hmm. um, we also have uh, uh, developed considerably the, the telecommunication infrastructures. That is very important also, mm -hmm. and the telecommuting that is uh, trendy these days, mm -hmm. um, brought us some new clients um, that wanted to take advantage of the, the climate, mm -hmm. right? And I don't mean only the climate, um, the, but also the economical climate. Yeah. Portugal has, uh, yeah. has had a, a very good economical climate, um, and the, uh, we have created here a very uh, interesting environment in terms of taxation for foreigners. Mm -hmm. So, and that cannot be dissociated from the property investment. Mm -hmm. So, I think that has to be seen also as a, the, the, big, the bigger picture mm -hmm. that Portugal has to offer and uh, hopefully will continue attracting investment to our <laughs> little piece of land. That, that is right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for no. your professional expertise. It's been a great pleasure um, having pleasure. you on air today um, and stay safe. It's, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much, Agnieszka, for the invitation. So, uh, good luck for, for the, the rest of the year. Thank you. And, and to uh, you. We, thank you. <laughs>
we received today a lot of information that you should keep in mind that corporate ownership of a property would always imply that there is usually a built-in capital gains tax liability should you be forced to sell the asset. This can usually be calculated before you buy. You should also consider whether the value of the property is enough to justify the long-term costs of running the company and whether you intend to keep it or sell it in the short term. Should you require a mortgage to assist with the purchase, this can be rather difficult. Please note that we strongly recommend that you appoint a local lawyer when buying a property via corporate structure. The lawyer not only needs to check the standing of the company, but also ensure that the property is properly licensed and built according to the plans approved by the local authority and that the title to both is clean and free of any debts. Now, if you wish help with any of the said, please feel free to get in touch with us. We want to share our knowledge with you and make your decision an informed one. So, if you have any specific questions, please submit them sending us an email to info at a1-algarve.com or use the contact form on our website a1-algarve.com. We will be happy to include your questions in our next podcast. The next podcast will be about thinking of moving to Portugal, an interview with Manuela Robinson of Black Tower. So I hope you will join us again. Thank you for listening today and stay tuned every second Tuesday. Stay safe and make it a great day. You've been listening to the A1 Algarve Real Estate Podcast. You'll now be one step closer to your second home in the Algarve. Reach out to us via email or comment on our website, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or LinkedIn. And check more information and our properties at www.a1-algarve.com.